Welcome to Ahead of the Game, the podcast brought to you by KMT Partners. I'm Andrew Montesi. Today I interview the amazing Jean Cannon, who is in the business of changing lives every day by helping people overcome stress, trauma, PTSD and addiction. Jean is a clinical hypnotherapist who has committed much of her life to studying and understanding the power of the mind. And while Jean has the backing of formal qualifications, it's her life experience that sets her apart. She's overcome physical disabilities as a child, family traumas, breast cancer and more, and it was her journey of personal healing that led to her life calling and business. Jean talks about the power of the mind, the science of trauma and her business model, as well as her personal story and lessons learned. This podcast is brought to you by KMT Partners. KMT is a leading accounting and wealth management advisory firm in South Australia, assisting you to emerge, renew, grow and build resilience in business, themes which are central to this podcast series. For more information, visit kmtpartners.com.au. Enjoy our chat with Jean Cannon. Jean, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Firstly, I want to kick off with the mind. What was it about the mind that captivated you when you were young? I was always fascinated about how on earth it worked. And I was doing a lot of physiology and neurophysiology. We were doing experiments with individual nerve cells and putting electrodes in them and watching the way... um, messages were flowing along individual nerves and that utterly fascinated Mm. me and then when I was able to go and work at New South Wales Uni and I was doing a master's which I didn't complete because I got married and it wasn't the done thing in Mm. those days to, Mm. to say to your husband no I'm finishing my degree first so I was doing a master's in neurophysiology working on a facial nerve, um, which was even more interesting. But what's always interested me much more is how these nerves and the brain connect with how we think Mm. and how we feel, because that's what's important. Absolutely. At the time, are you thinking whether this could be a career? Are you thinking about... The, the business aspect of this, or are you just purely passionate I about it? I was the just passionate about it. Initially, I wanted to do medicine, and my father wouldn't let me. It was a waste of money for a girl to do medicine. Really? Girls just get married, and it's a waste of money to do all that study. You will be a teacher. Wow, so that was, it was a direction you were told to be a teacher? I was signed up on a, on a bond to be a teacher. Wow. But and based on what you're saying, it sounds as if that teaching wasn't a passion for you. It was a hate for me. <laughs> what did you hate about it? Oh, all these people that are just not interested in in really anything that's very interesting, you mm. know. They're teenagers that are forced to sit in a room and study things that they don't really want to study. They're trying to tick a box. They're just ticking a box. It's keeping their mum happy and, and mum and dad happy. And mm. yeah, I remember one time I put an enormous amount of work uh, into really making something interesting. And I heard two young ladies walking out at the end of the lesson saying, 
Isn't it weird the things that turn her on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I can see how that would be incredibly frustrating. But I'd imagine that not enjoying the role and other external factors in life would probably have created stress of oh, your own. Absolutely. And then um, I got to the stage eventually when I went to the doctor because I was really quite ill. He said, right, I'm giving you two options. Either you stop teaching today or you stop teaching at the end of the month. And I thought, oh, hell's bells. He said, you are going to be really ill if you don't get out of teaching. So I actually stopped teaching at the end of the week. I set enough, I went back and I set enough work um, for a week so that um, there was ongoing work so a relief teacher could, no, I think I set enough work for a month so that a relief teacher could come in and, and the kids weren't being let down, and um, but I could get out. Mm. At this point, you had done, obviously, study of the mind. Were you in a position to recognise at that point what was going on? Could you see the signs of your own stress? Well, I knew I was utterly stressed and exhausted, but I didn't know enough about that practical psychology side of it. I was more involved with the physiology side of it and I was teaching just biology. Mm. I was fascinated to read that beyond that point you tried your hand at a number of different careers. What was there? There was I, marine biology, yes. you ran a computer shop, you were a business consultant. Yes, all sorts of things. Life happens, you know, yeah. and you've, you've got to do what you've got to do to, yeah. Yep. And I guess there was the stress at the time of teaching, um, but then you had breast cancer as well. Yes. I'd also had three very difficult and abusive marriages. Um, so it seems like stress was compounded. It was everything was compounded, and I ended up with, with both PTSD and breast cancer. At the same time? Oh, yes. Well, wow. that's why I had breast cancer. Because wow. I had PTSD, you know. It massive excess stress causes major illness. So this is the mental impacting the physical? Yes, yes, absolutely. So it's amazing because you know, life could go in a few directions from that point. At it's- that stage I sat down and thought Oh, so there's obviously stuff going wrong. What am I going to do? What do I want to do with the rest of my life? What options do I want um, with regard to surgery and all these sort of things for the cancer? Do I want to take what seems to be an easier path just now but would lead to a shorter life with more problems down the track or do I just want to go for it get this damn thing over and done with and go for a long and healthy life and then sort myself out and sort out doing things that I'm passionate about so that was what I did so that's interesting because you know having known some people with mental health challenges and even the stories even they can recognise the problem, but actually pulling themselves out, out of that 
that ditch, that hole to be able yep. to do something positive for themselves. Is it, a, is it's a actually challenge. quite difficult to do that, yes. Yeah. Yes. So how did you do it? Um, probably I'm very bloody-minded. <laughs> <laughs> My father always used to say I was a very difficult woman. Yeah. <laughs> so that was probably what that was about. Wow. So you go through this process and almost, you know, you're, you're reviewing your, your own situation, your career, your life choices. So what happens next? Do you, re, you return to study? Is that, I, is that that point? Well, I had to still go on working because as a business consultant at that stage, but at the same time I started doing additional study. Hmm. I, I overlapped them. And then I started initially just doing the quit smoking, which was really easy hypnosis, Um, and that was building a second income stream that was different from Mm. the business consulting. So as that came up and started funding more study Mm. in in hypnotherapy and, um, yeah, master's... Master of NLP and things like that. Mm. Um, then I was able to do uh, earn more in that business, and I tailed the the business consulting right down mm. because my heart was really in the mental health area, not in the in the business consulting. Although in many ways, it's actually very it was actually very similar work mm. because I'm. In both cases, I'm looking for where people are now or where the business is mm. now, where does it want to be, and mm. what do we have to do to get you from there to here. Um, and, okay, here you are. I'm here as a bridge to help you across. Mm. Um, so it really was the same process with small business consulting and with hypnotherapy. It's great. It's even a like. I like the approach as well because there's a lot of people out there who are in a career but they have dreams of starting their own business or a new business that aligns more with their passions. A lot of people see it as an all-or-nothing situation where they rip the Band-Aid off, they quit their career to jump into their own business but they've got no clients, they've got no revenue. It's that they're they're dropping off a cliff really. But So you you had the two businesses and you built up your business I built up one until I got, and and then I dropped down the other one. You've got to keep eating and paying paying Mm. for a roof over your head. Mm. It's all that delicate balance, isn't it? Yeah. So you've picked up this extra study. As you're learning more, you are you looking at your own life? I'm very much looking at my own life. And then I met a completely remarkable woman called Judith Richards, who has had incredible trauma and healed herself and I was talking to her and uh, and she's got a process for for healing trauma quickly so I went and got treated for that and it, it that fixed my PTSD wow and it was um, in less than a month it was very quick and it was dramatic and I said to Judith, I need to learn how to do this. Mm. And so I then struggled to find the extra money and and 
I booked in to do that extra training because it was essential as far as I was concerned. The stuff I was I was doing with traditional hypnotherapy was fuffing around. It wasn't really mm. it wasn't really getting there. Um it it took ages and it wasn't getting to the point. It wasn't as effective mm. as the Richards trauma processes. That completely revolutionizes dealing with trauma. Because to get over trauma, you need two things. You need to know that it's over and you're safe and you need to be empowered because you got over it. So you take people into the theatre of the mind um, and the person themselves deals with the situation, rewrites the situation, fixes it, deals with the perpetrators if there were perpetrators in whatever way they mm. like because they're using their imagination it's mm. theater of the mind they're not consciously going over anything they're not re-traumatizing themselves like traditional mm. psychology they do it all very quickly and um and then they they come back into the room back to for normal consciousness and they're just overjoyed because Hey, that, that's, that's just so dramatic. It's a, I want to go back a step in a second, but it just seems so dramatic, particularly in the context now when I think about the, the huge wave of military personnel with PTSD. Yes. And that's only going to increase. Yes. It seems to be an increasing problem. and it, That's but, not the biggest problem. The biggest number of people with PTSD are... Um, People who've had domestic abuse and child sex mm. abuse, that's a far greater number than the military. And some of it's just as severe as the military. Absolutely. I mean, it's a, but it's a huge amount of people affected, but it doesn't seem like that solutions like what you're talking about are widely no, known or No, they're not widely known. No. And what, what we do is not covered by Medic Medicare. Why? Psychologist Union. Ah, okay. <laughs> interesting. Okay, the probably, I'd the, probably be naughty, but no, yes. No, no, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I, it was in the back of my, he my head. Maybe it's, yeah, it is. The politics of yeah. this world is, is quite interesting. Um, yes. To, I mean, as far as the government concerned, they think they've got a good deal if they spend a couple of years and $15,000 getting someone um, nearly back to normal with, from PTSD. I charge 1300 and I can get them back in, in less than a month. Now, but, but, but that doesn't get counted. That's mm. not one of the things that gets publicised. So because I fix people, I've got a business, a marketing problem because I need lots and lots of clients because what? I... <laughs> we'll come back to your business model. Before we get to that, just want to go back a step. Can you can you tell us what happens to the mind when trauma occurs? Okay. It, it, it doesn't really matter whether it's one thing that's highly traumatic mm. or whether it's a series of stuff over a long time just building up. Mm. It's overwhelm. 
when too much comes into your into the hippocampus, which is the part of the brain that files stuff. It's just like dumping too much on a librarian and expecting them to get everything filed. A lot of the stuff just doesn't get filed. Mm. It gets all left in corners and it's and it keeps coming up again. And that trauma's still there. It it doesn't get stored. It's meant to just go into the hippocampus, get its file number, be stuck mm. away neatly in the four in the frontal prefrontal cortex and then you can relax and go back to calm but if you get too much at once it doesn't happen and stress builds up over years um so yeah. the, so the piles of books the mess continues to pile up until Absolutely. it gets to an untenable now you point. think about someone mm. someone in business for example who is always a bit overstressed, the short of money, the, the cash flow goes up and down, um, the tax department's ringing them, the bank's ringing them. They're, they're, they're fairly freaked out and they've just got more and more and more stress. And then one of the kids gets ill um, and, and um, then their wife falls over and breaks her arm mm. and then the dog has to go to the vet and the whole thing gets too much mm. And surprise, surprise, the person has a breakdown. Mm. You touched on it before, but how does your process go about refiling these books, oh, as you say? We go back in using the theatre of the mind and deal with the different things so that they are put away and filed. So it's a, it's a process of acknowledging those things. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, that's really interesting. I still do that mm. on myself when things happen because stuff happens, you know, mm. on an ongoing basis. I monitor my own stress levels mm. all the time. Mm. And when I, when things get a little bit too much, I'll, I'll imagine I'm sitting down in that chair over there and I'll, I'll turn on my recorder and I'll make a recording and I'll treat myself um, as this imaginary person, mm. <laughs> and then I'll listen to it later. And okay, I'm right. I've dealt with that now. It's fine. Mm. Okay, that's that's really interesting. We touched on it, but there are a number of um, what I would say, like almost business model complexities with with what you what you do. We mentioned it, but being almost too good. Resolving issues for people. Oh, it's a silly a, business it's model. It's amazing, but it, yeah, it doesn't work for business, does it? No, it doesn't. I've got to constantly be looking for new clients. I need, I really need three or four new clients every week um, if I'm yeah. going to pay the bills and so how do you how, pay my how mortgage do you, and all of those sort of things? Yeah. How do you? What is your um, your main? I channel? work mainly on. I do some Facebook marketing, LinkedIn, those sort of things. Yeah. I've started doing a few podcasts myself, mm. which are on one of my websites. I blog and link back from mm. Facebook and mm. and LinkedIn back to my website. I have two of them. Yeah. I, I'm part of a business networking group where we refer to each other. We get mm. to know each other well and refer to each other. I run, I do a lot of networking with mm. different networking groups. I'm running a workshop. I've been running workshops at WEA um, 
for, for several years now, but I'm running my own mm. workshop as well. I'm going to be doing it quarterly um, where I can give a fair bit of training of, of practical self-help to reduce your stress, mm. but also get to know what I do so that people understand mm. what I do and where they can refer people who need more help. Mm. And I get referrals from past clients. Absolutely. The other th- challenge, I mean, in my view, that, that kind of stood out is, are there misconceptions about what you do that you have oh. to correct? <laughs> People come in and they're scared of hypnosis. Um, I just say, well, I've never turned anyone into a chicken yet. Uh, you know, it doesn't happen. I can't make you do anything. And then there are a few people that say, oh, but I don't think I was hypnotised. Oh. Um, what I mean, for people who don't know much about hypnotism, can you maybe deal with one of the a couple of the misnomers and let us know what actually happens? Well, all that happens is that you allow your conscious mind to drift off into the same sort of state as that lovely state first thing in the morning when you're half asleep and half awake and you're really you you're aware of things happening but you don't care mm. what's happening around you because you're in, in peacefully in la-la land. Um, and that's what hypnosis is like. Mm. So I get people to just let their conscious mind go and sit over there. Yes, you can hear every word I say, mm. but that's fine. You can listen or not listen. It's up to you. Probably best just to let things drift and I'll talk to your unconscious mm. mind. Absolutely. One thing that's kind of stood out from your story is in terms of lessons learned that people can apply to their own lives, you seem as if you're a lifelong learner. You've, there's this constant trend of studying, learning. I mean, even now you're talking about using Facebook and podcasting and modern marketing techniques. There's this – you would have had to learn how to do those things. Oh, heavens, yes. Yeah, some of them are a bit mind-blowing. I'm, I'm currently – fighting my way through setting up some opt-in forms in my latest CRM package. Yes, so some of that stuff is reasonably mind-blowing. But, um, yeah, I think the day you stop learning is the day you basically start dying. Yeah, because a lot of people, I mean, even a lot of people that I know, are simply intimidated by these new things that come up or new ways of doing things or having to learn about technology to grow their business. That doesn't seem to be a problem for you. No, 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 no. Um, It's not a problem. It might be a frustration at times. I might get exasperated, especially as most of the software I have to learn Mm. to use is set up in the US and I've either got to talk to them after midnight or before 8 a.m., neither mm. of which are when I'm mentally very alert. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting, really interesting. The other aspect, I mean, you've reinvented yourself. You've had multiple, you've tried your hand at multiple careers. There's also resilience. How has that developed for you over the years? Oh, I've always been very resilient. I've always had challenges. 
As a small child, I had rickets, soft bones, and I wore calipers up to my waist until I was five, and I had to get over that. Um, I'm dyslexic, so I've had to get over that and cope with doing study, tertiary study, as a dyslexic. Um, wow. I've written books. I'm the author of four books. I'm not going to be stopped by being dyslexic. I was not lazy because I couldn't spell. Um, I just look at the world differently. Mm. And so I've always been resilient because it's just something you've got to do. Mm. I'm not going to just lie down because I've fallen down to the bottom of the stairs. I'm going to get up and climb up the stairs again and and try and get down it. Um, mm. This was when I was small. My mm. father ended up putting some boards down the side of the stairs because we lived in a two-storey house in London mm. and the only toilet was upstairs and I was wearing calipers up to my waist. This was a challenge. Mm. Um, and I fell down the stairs on a number of occasions okay. and I had to pick myself up. I've learnt from my very earliest childhood to pick myself up and do things. I'm not going to be held back. Even in and even more particularly challenge challenging in, in your era when I would imagine that things like dyslexia were probably hardly recognized. No, it wasn't recognized at all. It yeah. was just lazy. You kept I was kept in after yep. school to learn to spell. And even later on in life, going through stress, even now stress isn't recognised or or there are perceptions about stress in the workplace, even now. Yes, and absolutely. I'd imagine that it was... It was a put-down. Yeah. Um, but a- a- anyone gets stress. All the events that come in, it's if you can imagine a balloon and it keeps blowing up and getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and unless you take time out and let some of the stuff out of the balloon... Um, eventually it gets to a point where it bursts. And that's what stress is like. Mm. I guess based on your very inspiring and amazing story, the achievements over many years, and start, all those years of studying the mind as well, what are some tips that you would give to people who might simply want to better themselves, might want to perform at a higher level, might want to just overcome themselves to be able to go to another level in their life, whether it be their career or, or their life in general. Take some time out. doesn't need to be very long. Just turn things off. Breathe out slowly and calm down. And think about what you're allowing into your mind. Just think about... What you watch on TV, is it something that's useful to you or is it something horrible and harmful? Um, If you watch violent TV uh, or you watch porn, you actually make permanent physical changes in the brain. Um, Is that what you want? Should you be watching and listening to only positive things? If you've got toxic people around you, Are these who you really want for your friends? Or can you step away and gradually find friends that you feel more comfortable with who are more positive? So it's almost like cleaning up your own environment somewhat, creating an environment that, because it just has that impact on you. Yeah. And a really useful, simple technique 
you can actually do every day in the shower. Um, you stand there in the shower and imagine you're under a waterfall. And just close your eyes and just imagine that all the rubbish that you want to let go is being washed away out of your body. Let it go. Just let it go out of your body, down, down the drain, and off to the sewage works. Just let all that shit out of your body. Sorry, I know I shouldn't <laughs> say that, but no, no, you know, it's good. we we all of us pick up a lot of stuff that we don't want, and sometimes I think that word describes it best. Mm. But let it go. And if you just stand there under the shower with your eyes shut and imagine it's leaving your body, it's being washed out down the drain, down to the sewage works, and it's going. You can even wash out bits of toxic people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jean, I think that's an absolutely perfect note to finish on. Thanks so much for sharing your story, for sharing your insights. I'm sure we could have dug even deeper into what you've learned over many years. So thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Well, you're very welcome. It's been enjoyable. It has been. I had no idea what I was letting myself in for. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to our interview with Jean Cannon. Connect with Jean at jeancannon.com.au. Ahead of the Game brings you business stories that will inspire and help you grow. Please subscribe to our show and to find out more, visit kmtpartners.com.au. At our website, you can also find out more about KMT's accounting and wealth advisory services, which support individuals, their family and their businesses with accounting, business, management, growth, compliance and advisory services. Get in touch at kmtpartners.com.au.